this is Base Layer, brought to you by Arca. I'm your host, David Nage. This is Base Layer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. I have Benny and Brian from Dapper Labs with me today. How are you guys doing? Hey, David. Thanks, thanks for having us on the podcast. Really excited about this. Yeah, David. Thanks for having us. As am I. And so we're going to be talking a lot about things like NFTs and digital collectibles and crypto kitties and all sorts of fun things. We're going to talk about games. And so many people who have been listening to the show have started to hear that I'm very interested in this kind of convergence of gaming and collectibles and things that are happening on like Fortnite and PUBG, some of the larger games out there. There is this whole marriage and whole kind of confluence of things that are happening with the blockchain world and that world. And I think it's really exciting. So I'm happy to get you guys on. As everyone knows, um, what I like to do before we get in too deep into Dapper Labs and specific parts of the project and the company, I want to hear more about your backgrounds. And so what did you do before Dapper Labs? What brought you into this whole world of blockchains and digital assets and crypto uh, so Benny or Brian, you can start off in that, and then we're going to go into what Dapper Labs is, what you guys are building there, and then we'll go into a lot of those different uh, talking points we talked about. Sure. So for me, um, growing up, I was a huge gamer. Uh, I did. I uh, was a professional gamer in some, in some games. I was always in esports world. Um, and then transitioning to crypto, I became really interested in blockchain games when CryptoKitties came out. And I actually started writing an NFT newsletter back in the day uh, about what's going on in blockchain games and why it's exciting and why gaming brands should care. And I think that just naturally led to me working for Dapper because my interest lay there as well. Yeah, and uh, my background has been in the startup area. Uh, I've been part of our, uh, we have a parent company called Axiom Zen. It's a venture studio that was started about seven years ago. Uh, and I joined a little bit over over three years ago and worked on a few projects. Uh, co-founded a startup called Toby. It's a project manager, or no, not project manager. It's a Chrome extension that helps manage your uh, browser tabs. It's a productivity tool. I also worked on a virtual reality live streaming platform, a location-based dating, uh, and a few other really cool experiments at Axiom Zen. Uh, including uh, being in the early stages of CryptoKitties when we launched it in 2017. Uh, so my entrance into the blockchain space uh, was a little bit different from others. Um, you know, I don't think, uh, me personally, uh, I didn't really hear about Bitcoin until I read this headline, I, I think it was like six or five years ago, about someone buying pizza for like 100,000 Bitcoin or something like 10, that. 000. yep. And I was like, okay, I don't even know what Bitcoin is, but cool. I guess this person bought it with bought pizza from it, uh, and I pretty much kind of uh, continued on the startup path and building products. Uh, and then I heard it again uh, in about early 2017, specifically about Ethereum and smart contracts and Solidity, and that's when I started to dive a little bit deeper. Uh, in the beginning, before CryptoKitties, uh, we were looking at. Uh, other blockchain uh, types of products around identity, uh, around uh, assisting sales teams. Uh, and it's a bunch of different, more enterprise uh, focus. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I'm glad that we arrived at uh, Kitties and, uh, and uh, a fun game that was CryptoKitties. And that 
from then on, we went into the path of NFTs and, and uh, all the craziness. So as both of you kind of have a gaming and creative background, I'm kind of curious, before we get into Dapper Labs, I'm trying to pinpoint the exact time this explosion happened in gaming. So I consider myself, I was a bit of a gamer back in the day. I mean, I, I remember when I was probably five or six playing one of the first versions of Donkey Kong. Um, I had the Atari, then I had, you know, the Sega Genesis and I, you know, I, I've, I've seen the evolution and then, you know, going to college and then, you know, playing GoldenEye. And then all of a sudden it just became this massive thing to the point where in 2020 for esports, it's supposed to, you know, the audience and the listeners and the watchers on Twitch and Twitter are supposed to actually eclipse some major professional leagues like the NHL. When did this kind of explosion happen and why do you think it happened? So back in, I'd say about a decade ago, uh, the free-to-play game market became extremely popular um, and and consoles themselves have been um, gaining a lot more traction. And this this, uh, combination of the two have enabled a bunch of games to become more accessible to kind of mainstream. Um, So games like League of Legends at first at PC was kind of the first free-to-play game to reach a really mass adoption point. Um, League of Legends itself is super easy to pick up, but it's also really hard to master. So there are a lot of casual players that want to get better. Um, And then big uh, professional gamers as well who uh, attract these mainstream users to watch over them. Um, So I think as we get, uh, as the free-to-play market kind of developed, um, these games have been trying to find the best way, the best uh, business model. And a lot of that had to do with uh, microtransactions um, in general. Um, So these these different business models like battle passes and skins, uh, have have becoming super popular, and I think what Fortnite, which originally uh, was kind of like a PVE zombie-based game, uh, did super well was have this aspect of um, social signaling their different skins in a way that uh, is also competitive. Um, so, so Fortnite itself is probably one of the most successful um, games in, in the last decade, obviously. Um, even though the game isn't uh, that easy to uh, uh, master, you'd say. Because the building mechanic is super difficult. Um, but I think that now what we're trying to see with, with blockchain games is that a lot of these digital goods that people have been purchasing in these free-to-play games are owned by the companies themselves. And now there's kind of the, this backlash, right? That yep. the players themselves want to actually own their digital goods and that they want to move them between games because they don't want to just have the sunken cost um, in the game itself. They, if they spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars on Fortnite skins and they stop playing, all of a sudden the money's lost. But how can they actually uh, liquidate their skins and get their money back, remove that skin to a different game and gain access to something else, right? They want to actually accrual their value in one game and then bring it to another. So there's not just this kind of the work being done for nothing. I believe that's the issue of compostability. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So for those uh, that don't know Dapper Labs, if you could uh, give them the quick one to two minute brief description on what you have built so far, and then we'll go into some of the things that you're doing there internally. 
Well, Dapper Labs is based in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, we're nearly about 120 team members now. Um, we come from nearly in total about 24 countries and speak about 20 languages collectively. So we're extremely diverse. Uh, our mission together is to delight a billion users uh, and bring them to the blockchain uh, into the open web. Uh, and our way of doing that is building entertainment experiences that could include games or uh, working with um, brands to build uh, consumer experiences. Uh, anything you could really think about, uh, at least in the consumer side, that's what we're looking for. Uh, and so that's Dapper Labs in, in a nutshell. And uh, we built CryptoKitties. We've uh, uh, had our first Cheese Wizards tournament, uh, which has been really exciting. It's essentially the world's first uh, Battle Royale blockchain game uh, on, on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, and we're working on an NBA game, which we'll talk about later. It's called Top Shot. Uh, and on top of that, uh, the two other things that we've done as a company is we built our own smart contract wallet uh, that's extremely secure and uh, really easy to use. It's one of the best user interfaces that are out there. Uh, and we're looking to amp that up for the upcoming games to be even better. Uh, and then the last thing, which uh, Brian has spent a lot of time focusing on, is building our own blockchain called Flow. Uh, we've uh, seen some of the limitations uh, on Ethereum. Uh, we've built uh, CryptoKitties and Cheese Wizards uh, and Dapper, the Dapper Wallet on Ethereum, and uh, we've been heavily involved in that community. Uh, but um, you know, as they evolved to ETH 2.0, we've uh, discovered that there are certain limitations, especially with uh, what we want to achieve, which is to have uh, hundreds of thousands or millions or even billions of people uh, come onto the blockchain and uh, have uh, entertainment uh, experiences available for them. Right. So there's a lot there. So we're going to unpack a lot of that. And for those that are not familiar with CryptoKitties and Cheese Wizards and all those other good things, we'll talk more about that in a second. So I want you to unpack this a little bit. And this is coming from your site. But for this technology, uh, and that would be blockchain, to realize its real world potential, it needs to, you know, be used by people, real people in the real world, not just industry insiders and early adopters. So Talk to us about how this, you know, the games that you're developing, the the digital collectibles, the NFTs that you're developing, how is all this um, aimed to be a portal or a gateway um, to real world usage of distributed and decentralized technology? Yeah, sure. So our approach is a little bit different than a bunch of other dApps or companies out there. We're trying to build an entire full stack approach. Uh, so we started with obviously CryptoKitties and it was a game. Then we built the smart contract wall that was what we say is a portal into the world of blockchain games that makes it super easy for anyone uh, to get started. That's kind of an easier alternative to MetaMask. But then we needed to realize we need to go even further because there were the technical scalability challenges. So we created Flow. So both the blockchain and the wallet and the games together uh, packed together creates this full stack experience that makes it easy for people uh, that are that are not used to blockchain to get involved with the technology uh, as soon as possible. So that's why our blockchain is focused on mainstream adoption and entertainment experiences, so that we so that uh, this technology can uh, reach them. Yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's dig into that. So for anyone that has not experienced these things, if you go to a quote unquote blockchain game, and not specifically yours, but others out there, and there are a few. The initial setup is okay. You sign up for the beta, you get access to the game, 
you then have to have MetaMask or you have to have a ERC20 wallet. You have to have Ethereum, which, you know, for those out there that don't, you have to go and get Ethereum from an exchange probably. Um, and then you have to basically, you know, do a few other different things and then you finally can play the game. Um, and so I think this is fairly alien to other people. I think if you, you went on, say, Fortnite or PUBG or other games out there, I don't know about the initial setup, you know, in terms of, you know, kind of legacy uh, versus blockchain. Are we in 2020, are we going to start seeing the evolution where it's much more kind of similar to what gamers would, you know, kind of understand and appreciate as opposed to kind of this very bespoke, very kind of disparate system that you kind of have right now where you have to do three or four or five different things before you can actually play the game? Yeah, I think we'll start to see wallets themselves become embedded into the game itself. There are a lot of projects out there. I think Bitsky, one that comes to mind, that really helps uh, games embed uh, these different types of wallets into the games themselves, that you don't actually need to install uh, any wallets or, or any additional Chrome extensions themselves. Uh, I think that is the goal, to, to have the at least uh, the, the least amount of friction as possible in order to, to get into the game itself. And then also have that interface so that you can actually, you know, see all your achievements or, or what you've done on each of these games and bring them into other games. So how do you provide that accessibility into one game and then also have this kind of overview of the different uh, types of games that you've uh, interacted with, kind of similar to what Steam has done uh, from Valve, where, you, where it's kind of like a, a library of games, but more, let's say, like a, in a blockchain based way. And I would I would kind of double tap on that and say that uh, I, I think your question was in 2020 will there be uh, more game experiences that uh, are are similar to existing centralized games or like games like Fortnite right, right. I think the answer to that question is um, I definitely do feel like uh, we've gone through a phase starting from 2017 where CryptoKitties was launched and then we had an explosion of um, I guess, copycat games that are kind of similar, uh, and they looked a little bit better. Uh, then we went through a phase of trading card games that I, I think is a, a very obvious and straightforward approach of, hey, you, you used to collect Yu-Gi-Oh cards or Pokemon cards in real life. Well, you should you know, own and collect uh, digital cards and, and play a trading card game. Uh, and now we're really kind of uh, set up for 2020 where we have games like the NBA Top Shot that we're working on uh, that will be built uh, partially on Unity and on mobile and will be in the App Store. So that's kind of the intention is to offer that experience and have it all connected. But you have other companies building uh, uh, Blankos, which is a, going to be distributed, I think, on uh, consoles. And probably on mobile, it's a, a game from a studio called Mythical Games. Mm -hmm. uh, you have another studio called, um, they're building a game called Skyweaver. Uh, I think they're called Horizon Games. Uh, also very uh, high quality and focusing on delivering a game experience that uh, is similar to what people are used to. And then you also have Sandbox um, from uh, Pixel, which is owned by Animoca, uh, which is like a Minecraft uh, on the blockchain where you could build all these different worlds and you own the land. Um, so in 2020, you're going to see some really good experiences pop up. I wouldn't say that they're AAA quality or that they, they could rival 
uh, Fortnites or the NBA 2Ks that are in the world. Uh, but certainly, I do think that 2020 will be a step forward uh, in the mainstream adoption of these types of games. And so, you know, I want to give a quick shout out. So if anyone listens to the show from the Pokemon company, please, I have kids. I have so many Pokemon cards in my house. Please get it on, get it on the blockchain, get it digitized, work with folks here because I, we need more room and we don't have any more room because we have too many Pokemon cards. So um, hopefully you guys can figure that out soon. Um, so I want to talk about CryptoKitties. So this was your big kind of breakout. Um, and in many ways, you know, it was kind of uh, a talking point that it almost crashed Ethereum or it did crash Ethereum because of so much kind of velocity uh, on that initially. Um, and obviously that wasn't the intent, but it was something that showed people that there was actually usage and people liked this and that it could work on Ethereum. And so, you know, to some of the VCs out there that have talked about building infrastructure and they talk about kind of the first usage and the first kind of breakthroughs, CryptoKitties is always mentioned there at the top of the list. You know, for people that aren't as familiar with it, um, I like to try to provide some analogies. Are there things that are non-blockchain that they could possibly provide a correlation to CryptoKitties? What, is there anything like that? Yeah, I typically say that it's similar to Neopets or Tamagotchi. Uh, it's essentially a pet breeding game. Um, and then there's a bunch of really other cool, cool things that are layered on top. But uh, in a nutshell, that's kind of what it is. Got it. Um, and so... With Topshot, you brought that up a few times too. You're working with the NBA. We've seen some NBA players actually try to use blockchain technology. Uh, Spencer Dewey from the Nets uh, comes to mind. What I know, you guys are still working on it, and there's some you know things that you have to keep uh, kind of under the uh, under the cuff. But what can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so there are a lot of details that uh, we're un unable to share, but. I think that the Top Shot team has taken all of the different lessons that we've learned since the creation of CryptoKitties and Cheese Wizards uh, and are now more deeper understanding of the market and feel that into a game that we feel that we're going to be very proud of uh, when we launch it uh, next year. Um, the NBA game is going to be very different in terms of the collectibles uh, in comparison to what the market has seen, uh, at least on the crypto side. Uh, currently, you've seen MLB champions or crypto where there's bobbleheads. Uh, there are other projects doing trading card games. Uh, what I could tell you is that we spend a lot of time thinking about really hard problems. And one of these really hard problems is not opting in for either of those choices, a bobblehead or a trading card game, thinking about what is a digital native feel uh, for a collectible that is dynamic uh, and has uh, perhaps a video uh, content that is weaved into it. And it's something that also looks tangible because that's the problem with digital things is that uh, there is no tactile feel to it. So um, we're exploring a lot of different things. We're working with some of the most uh, experts in the world to help define what the collectibles are. And that's just the first uh, exploration. Uh, we're also doing a lot of different things in exploring the buckets around social and commerce. Uh, and uh, how, how does that kind of uh, weave in together? Uh, as we all know, outside of the blockchain world, uh, I think the hottest topic of today is TikTok. 
uh, and uh, many kind of short form video content platforms that are blowing up. Uh, and for us, you know, we are definitely not turning our heads away from that. Uh, we've built many, many different products uh, in the past, as, as I mentioned before, at Axiom Zen. Uh, and we're feeling a lot of those different learnings into what we think will be the perfect marriage between social, commerce, collectibles, and blockchain all together. Uh, at the same time, it's going to be accessible to the moms and dads who are watching the NBA game, uh, who are going to have a great time playing Top Shot uh, with their kids. So that's kind of like the vision that we have. And uh, we still have a lot of work to do. It's no easy task uh, kind of opening up this can of worms. Uh, but we've been really proud of working with the NBA. Their team has been really helpful. Uh, and we, go, we fly there uh, quite often to interact with um, multiple different teams uh, on their end. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what we could say so far. Uh, we can't wait to reveal more um, photos and images and videos uh, in the coming year. And we'll have you back on to talk more about that when you guys can. I'm excited about that. And so um, you, you mentioned TikTok. Shout out to Catherine Wu. Uh, Catherine's been killing it on TikTok in the crypto world. Um, and so I agree. TikTok is definitely taking off. And it seems that everyone is really coming on board to that. Uh, you will not see me doing a TikTok video with music in the background. I am not accustomed and really appropriate to do that, but others can. So enjoy it. Um, I want to get back on topic in terms of um, kind of artwork. And so family offices and institutional investors who listen to the show have always been buying art. Um, and so a piece of crypto artwork sold for a million dollars on Valentine's Day. So if you can, you know, basically talk to us about the global macro digital collectible market. How is it growing year over year? And what do you see going into 2020? To be honest, um, we, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about products, digital products and startups and games. The art market is a very fascinating space. We've had our, uh, we dabbled in it. Uh, I actually worked on a specific project where we, auctioned off a one of the world's first uh, blockchain dresses uh, called Iridescence uh, in New York uh, this May uh, for nearly $10,000 USD. Uh, and uh, we've sold the most expensive kitty that was tied to a hardware wallet that we built a, a case for. Uh, that was for nearly $140,000 USD. So we've experimented with art. Uh, we've had showcases in museums uh, in Germany uh, for CryptoKitties, and uh, we've been a part of uh, a ton of events, even South by Southwest, and kind of in that intersection of what digital, collectible, blockchain uh, means. Um, but I, I won't pretend that I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Sotheby's or uh, some of these uh, more well-versed, uh, experienced uh, art veterans who day, day in, day night um, think about art pieces uh, and what that means. I do know, I do know that um, I think last week Rare Arts or one of the, the marketplaces for digital art um, surpassed in terms of like transaction volume, at least for a week uh, or a few weeks. And that's a great sign. Uh, me personally, I, I've been collecting a few digital art pieces. Uh, there's a really cool project called Crypto Voxels where people who own uh, CryptoKitties or digital art could create a digital art gallery where you could hang it up. 
Uh, I think a lot of these are exper experimentations right now. I, I don't think that they're going to be mainstream experiences, uh, but certainly I think that this will continue to grow uh, as the conversation, at least in the art world, uh, what does it mean to be real now that uh, all of the digital collectibles have um, provenance and they have trackability and composability. Uh, in my opinion, it's way more cooler than having a piece of painting hanging on your walls. So let's talk about, again, more on the collectible side. So the most expensive baseball card, I believe, was the Honus Wagner that sold for about $3.1 million. And so I'm curious, you know, with baseball cards, with Pokemon cards, as I said, I have a personal you know, thing with Pokemon cards as we have hundreds and thousands of them here in this house. Um, you know, do you think the near-term future we're going to see this shift? And I think it also kind of falls in line with the conversation we were having about um, skins and things that you get on Fortnite and PUBG. Do you think all of this is going to be in the form of NFTs and ARC 721s? And do you think that's going to happen relatively soon, especially uh, with the, the transition that Ethereum is making from proof of work to proof of stake? Do you think all of this can collectively happen in the next few years? Or do you think it's got a little bit of a longer of a time scale? I think it definitely has a little bit longer of a time scale. Um, there, there are some reasons why the physical scarcity of collectibles uh, is super important and, and it makes them valuable. Um, digital scarcity is kind of this thing that uh, exists but also doesn't exist um, as for, for NFTs particularly because you can always mint new NFTs on top of a contract and it's really up to uh, the creators themselves to kind of mint more. Um, with physical scarcity, um, that's also the case. But sometimes you can you can always uh, you know there are only a few baseball cards like the uh, Honus Wagner that exist right that that, that actually make it super valuable. Um, so I think in some cases when you can prove that some scarcity of a certain type of card exists, I know with Gods Unchained there was Hyperion card that sold for about 80k and that was the really big deal, kind of one of the biggest digital collectible NFTs that sold for a really high amount. Um, we'll see that, I think, but I think the physical uh, collectible market will always exist. And I, I think that they'll stay separate uh, for the time being. One of the biggest um, challenges is what actually gives some of these digital collectibles value. Is it the utility itself? Is it the um, you know art? Is it the beauty of it? Or, or is it that the community just believes in the intrinsic value of it? similar to other cryptocurrencies as well, right? So we're starting to see uh, some of those different narratives play out, but I think it's too early to say whether what actually gives some of these digital collectibles that high value. Super interesting. I think next time we have you guys on, I'd also like to talk about this uh, kind of explosion of synthetics. And so how does synthetics also play into the world of NFTs and digital collectibles and how they can be represented in synthetics that are happening right now. But we'll talk about that another time. Um, what I also like to do on the show is get guests to give a little bit about themselves, what inspires them, what they read, what they listen to. And so if you guys could, you know, any books that you've read recently uh, that really resonated with you and any music that you listen to. I'm a big um, 
rap hip hop fan. Uh, I'm really into. Well, you know, now that Spotify blew up with their uh, personalized uh, recommendation, I guess uh, Drake is my uh, artist of the decade, and I also have uh, Travis Scott and a bunch of them. So I I really like the the hip hop uh, rap culture, uh, and being that we're building an NBA game. Um, you could bet that uh, a lot of the hype, so to say, is going to be uh, weaved into it, uh, and especially the social aspects. So uh, that really is something that I uh, listen to and in, in, in for books. Um, I don't know if I've been reading. I've been reading a lot of articles that Brian sends me that uh, that are typically medium uh, <laughs> articles and, and that, but I don't really uh, have a book in mind. Do you? Um, books lately. I mean, I read a lot of nonfiction. I'm kind of like the, um, there's been a lot of good books this year from, I read the Edward Snowden book recently. That was a pretty good one about privacy. Um, but in general, I think lately I've been doing a lot of reading of, of older articles from like Morgan Household and his, his old stuff. And it's been really interesting to see, especially in the crypto market right now, to see perspectives of, of how people thought about the market. Uh, from a few years ago and then how it kind of relates today. Um, so that's kind of where my head's up been lately. Um, otherwise, I've been doing the same thing. I'm just really into esports, watching a ton of uh, tournaments, Rocket League, esports, Dota, uh, because uh, I love that kind of stuff. I've been playing a lot of Apex Legends recently. It's kind of been my, my game of choice right now. Awesome. And so the other thing I like to do with guests is where can people learn more about Dapper Labs? Where can they get involved if they want to start you know, playing or getting involved with CryptoKitties or if they want to take a look at Cheese Wizards or any of the things you guys have been doing, where can they start uh, getting involved? Yeah, so uh, dapperlabs.com, if you scroll to the bottom, we have um, beta tester gaming. Uh, So a lot of people have already signed up uh, who want to see the latest. And uh, this week we spent a lot of time inviting um, people here in Vancouver, but if you're around, uh, to come into the office and actually play some of the prototypes for uh, NBA Top Shot. Uh, so we do a lot of this type of user testing. We're, when we design products, uh, we don't do it in silo. Uh, we spend a lot of time being obsessed by the users. Uh, and so that's how they can find out about Dapper Labs. Uh, they could also follow Dapper Labs at, at Dapper underscore Labs on Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Benny Jang uh, on uh, on Twitter, and that's pretty much my handle. Awesome. What about you, Brian? Uh, my Twitter handle is Flynnjam. Uh, I write a um, newsletter at Nifty News. You can find it on, on Substack. And uh, yeah, I think Benny has mentioned the rest about Dapper. Awesome. So this was Benny and Brian from Dapper Labs, a project I've been watching for quite some time, uh, starting with CryptoKitties and then with Cheese Wizards and some of the other things that they've been doing there. Also been really inspired by the NFT digital collectible space. And so definitely check them out. Thank you guys for coming on. We have some things to catch up on in a few months and uh, we'll be catching you guys soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, David, for having us on the show. Thanks, Dan. Take care. For more notes from this past episode about our guest, please go to www.ar.ca slash baselayer. Nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice, which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance. 
statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns. If you like what you're listening to on Baselayer, let us know. Subscribe, give us a like, or hit us up on Twitter, Arca at Arca, or myself, David Nage at DavidJN79. Let us know, and we'd love to obviously hear from you. For additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space and the financial terms you understand, please visit www.ar.ca for articles, marketing commentary, videos, and more.